scripture reading today is Acts 9, verses 26 through 28. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at, at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. Good to be together this Lord's Day. We're thankful for each and every one that's here this morning. We're glad that you have chosen to worship your, our God and that we are a part of your Lord's Day and that we are the place that you have chosen to come. If you are visiting with us, we are especially glad that you are here. We hope that you'll stick around and let us get to know you a little bit better. <clears throat> hope you have your Bibles open to Acts chapter 9. We're going to be starting our lesson there in just a moment but you think about phrases that you might hear it's not at all uncommon for people to say you ought to shop local that seems to be a a trend that you might hear on social media or that people might encourage you to go support a local boutique or a local business the local hardware store just some some kind of effort to make to go support the local guy that is in your community, that you want to give him your business because you want to show your support and you want to show that you want him to be successful or her. People care about where they live, don't they? People care about the community that's around them because they want and they understand this key component that if my neighbor's successful, then that helps me be successful. And so we want to throw our support and our business to people that are local. Oh, this isn't about, this lesson's not going to be about why you should or should not support local business. But you hear that phrase, or maybe you'll hear the idea of support your local sheriff, that we need to support our local law enforcement and to give them our support because if they are successful then we are successful if they do their job well then we're safe from harm and in many ways i think that kind of attitude should translate to the local church that if we should have that kind of mindset that we should support the local church because if we have that sort of mentality where we want to support the work that is going on here at west side then it's going to foster care and love it's going to uh, increase interest in what's going on in this local congregation. And the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, whenever he was newly converted, as he was back in Jerusalem, and he it says there in Acts chapter 9 and verse 26 that he was trying to associate with the disciples. Some translations might say that he was trying to join the disciples there. And it's interesting, that word joined, it's used in a few different places in the New Testament, in several different places, but one in particular is in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, and in verse 5, when Jesus is being questioned about marriage and divorce and those uh, issues, 
And in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 5, Jesus, he's quoting from the Old Testament, and he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. That's the same word joined there. That you have in the marriage relationship, you are joined to your spouse. In Acts chapter 9, Saul is trying to join with the disciples. Now, if you are a smart and wise husband, then you are going to have a vested interest in your wife, aren't you? Well, the same principle should apply to the local church. If I am a member of the local church, then I should have a vested interest in my fellow disciples, my fellow members. The word joined there in Acts chapter 9 is the same idea that's being expressed there in Matthew chapter 19. That it is about building and, and fostering a relationship among the disciples, among Christians. And so if I want you, I should have a desire for you to be successful, that means I need to support you. That means I need to show interest in you and what's going on in your life. And so this morning I want us to consider just four ways which we can support our local congregation and support the local work here at Westside. And this lesson, I want to say it from the outset, is geared towards you. Not geared towards the person next to you, on your left or your right. It's not geared towards the person in front of you or behind you. It's geared towards you. Because you're the only one that can control the things that we're going to talk about. And when I say you, I'm also including me in that, just for the record. Now these are things that no one else is going to be able to control. Even whenever you may not like a certain thing that may be going on, this is something that only you can control the things that we're going to talk about this morning. And so this lesson is primarily directed towards you and about what you should be doing. And the first thing is we need to dis encourage the discouraged. That's the first thing that I think that we need to do. If we're going to support the local work and the local church, then we need to be busy about encouraging the discouraged. Because people, no matter who we are, we are people. We have things that are going on in our life. And if people can grow discouraged, then Christians can grow discouraged. There might be health issues. There might be temptations that we are dealing with. There may be different family dynamics that we are encountering that are causing us to be discouraged. I'm reminded in the Old Testament of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you'll remember in this context, the previous chapter, 1 Kings chapter 18... Elijah had just been very successful in, uh, in approaching the prophets of Baal, the 450 prophets of Baal, and he had been very successful in de debunking, if you will, the whole idea, notion of idolatry. And he is very successful there in 1 Kings chapter 18 at Mount Carmel. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 19 that he is then asking for God to just kill him. And you might wonder, how do we get from successful, pinnacle of his success, 
to this extremely low moment, a prophet of God, someone who knew what was right, someone who was valiant and courageous. In 1 Kings chapter 19 and in verse 1 it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So he gets a threat from Jezebel. And so he goes on the run. And it says in verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. In verse 10, he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel for." have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He has this complex that he is alone, that no one else is interested in serving God. And so he's extremely discouraged here. It's better off if I am just dead. Have you ever been in that moment? Maybe not to that extreme. But have you ever been in that moment where you are so discouraged that you feel that nothing is going well? Maybe it's something in your life. Maybe it's something going on in the local church. Maybe it's something that is really bringing you down. And you don't feel like there's any success and that there's no point in continuing and going on. We need to be watchful for those people who are in those moments. We need to help bring people out of those moments. In verse 18, the Lord told Elijah, He says, Yet I will leave 7,000 in, in Israel and all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah needed to hear that there were people that were continuing to try to serve God. Now, 7,000 in all of Israel would not have been a great number, but it was at least enough to help Elijah realize that I am not alone. Moses had a very similar crisis in Numbers chapter 11. And we never may know who is really discouraged. It may look like someone who is really strong, someone who is able to put on a brave face. It might look like a preacher, an elder, a deacon, or any of the aforementioned and their wives. It may be any single one of us who gets discouraged and we get tired and we feel like it's time to just give up and throw in the towel. And we have a responsibility to look out for each other. And to help those who are faint-hearted. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is going to be a passage that we referenced several times this morning. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and in verse 14, notice what the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica. He says, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted. There are people who grow faint of heart. They just want to give up. They don't feel like it's worth going on. And we have a responsibility to look out for that. And we need to try to encourage them. 
That may come in the form of writing a letter or sending a text or an email. It might come in the form of making a phone call. How rare is that? <laughs> and now, because we're so used to texting each other, and I, I'm a big fan of texting. I think you get a lot of information sent, or you can have a nice little conversation pretty quickly that way. That doesn't bring a lot of interruption to the day, but are you like me? Whenever you get a phone call, you're like, hey, what are you calling me for now? <laughs> like, something's got to be wrong. You almost feel like that's a bother, isn't it? But how rare is it for us to just call someone and say, hey, how are you doing? I kind of long for that time. To go back to that time. Where we can just call and say, hey, I just wanted, I was thinking about you. Just wanted to see how you were doing. We need to encourage people like that. Maybe it's saying, hey, let's grab lunch or let's go eat some dinner. Let's spend some time together. I can see that you're going through something that's hard and I may not understand it all, but I want you to know that we're here for you. We need to be busy about encouraging the discouraged. But a second thing that we need to do is we need to help the weak. Notice there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in that verse that we just read. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, he says, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. We always want to think that we're strong. But some of us are weaker than others. And that weakness may be in spiritual knowledge or understanding and wisdom. Weakness may come from poor behavior and mistakes that we have made. And so we have trained ourselves to be weak. Weakness may be from dealing with temptation that we've just been hit time and time again. That Satan is just knowing which buttons to kind of push in our life. And it's just tiresome. And we keep on saying no. We keep resisting and we're just weak. We're tired. Or weakness may be a result of enduring trials of suffering and affliction like sickness and disease or pain. Think about Job and the book of Job and how he lost everything and all the things that he suffered. Can you imagine that being uh, someone that would be incredibly strong in that position in that moment in time? When we feel beat up, when we feel as if we are tired, we don't feel strong. And no matter what may be the cause of this weakness, we need help. We need to have someone there beside us. And one of the things that I think we, some of the best ways to help those who are weak, it comes through instruction comes through protection and it comes through encouragement. We just talked a little bit about encouragement. So I want to really focus on instruction and protection. And we need to protect those who are weak. Those who may be dealing with temptation. Those who may be facing uh, you know, some time out of coming out of some sort of addiction or something like that. We need to be there to help them. 
And I think the book of Jude says some really incredible things. While it's a very short book, only one chapter, only 25 verses, in Jude, in verses 22 and 23, notice what Jude says here. He says, And have mercy on some who are doubting. That's someone who's maybe doubting their faith. Maybe they're going through some period of weakness uh, for, some, for some reason. He says, you need to have mercy on them. But then he says, save others, snatching them out of the fire. If there's someone, if you think about a child is, who is about, who's approaching a, a hot stove, and they're about to put their hand on that stove, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, hey, I think that's a bad idea. You probably shouldn't do that. Are you going to try to reason with them logically? Or are you just going, if they're about to grab it, are you going to just yank their hand away? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to yank their hand away and get them away from the stove. Some of them you've got to snatch out of the fire. There are people who may be going through some weakness, some, through some struggle, and that they are about to give in, and you just have to say, hey, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to pull you out of this. Others, we may have to let them work through their doubts. We need to have mercy. We need to be patient with them. He goes on, verse 23, And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. But whenever we, whenever kind of struggle someone is dealing with, whatever the cause of their weakness, we need to help them and protect them. But then we also need to offer instruction to those who are weak, they don't need to remain weak. We need to teach. We need to offer instruction. That may come in the form of correction. And often it does. In the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 6 and in verse 1, the Apostle Paul would write on this occasion, he says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Now whenever someone is going through some weakness, whenever they have strayed from the Lord, we have an obligation to go to them and offer some correction. And maybe that comes in some form of rebuke. But we need to also have a gentle spirit where we want to restore the relationship and bring them back to the Lord. We have an obligation to one another within the local church. That whatever it is, we need to be helping those who are weak. But then thirdly, we need to thank those who are working. Those who are serving. Those who are contributing to the work. We need to thank them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14, he says, that we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And it's that idea of everyone there that I want you to really think about. That there is, anyone can be serving and working. And we need to be remembering everyone within the local congregation. And we need to especially be reminded of those who are working and serving, those who may help 
and volunteer their time to teach Bible classes, those who dedicate their skills in coordinating gospel meetings or vacation Bible school. We need to focus and remember those people that work and serve because they're not doing it for themselves. They're doing it for others. And I am so impressed when I read the book of Romans in the 16th chapter. It's a chapter that does not get enough airtime, in my opinion. It's a very neglected chapter in the New Testament because it's kind of boring. <laughs> because you're just reading about a bunch of names. You're just reading names of people that we don't know. But in Romans chapter 16, notice what the Apostle Paul is writing inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Remember that. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is at Sincrea. He says, I commend you to her. You need to remember her. You need to appreciate her. You need to thank her for her work and her service. And he doesn't start out with a guy there, does he? He starts out with a woman. You need to appreciate her. And he goes on in verse 2, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and that you may help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Here is someone who is working and serving and helping others. She's working. Paul says you need to receive her. You need to appreciate her. You need to see. Because if you do, if you receive her, then she probably will help you too. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life have risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles also greet the church that is in their house. And he goes on and he greets all these other people. In this chapter. People who are working in the Lord and serving. I would encourage you to just go home and read. Romans chapter 16. And if it's not too small of a thing for the Apostle Paul to stop and include these people in a letter to the church to thank them and to show His support and His appreciation. It's no small thing for us. It's not too small of a thing for us to say thank you. And what also impresses me is here are people, you go through and read Romans 16, there are people that Paul has never really met face to face, but he still knows them by name. We ought to know everyone in this room by name. If we're members of the local church here, we need to know each other by name. We need to be able to thank them by name. We need to be able to show them our appreciation and give them a tip of the cap. Because that just adds that nudge of encouragement that they need to help them continue on to continue to make those sacrifices. People that we may not really stop and think about but they accomplished something they did something for us thanking our bible class teachers 
Thanking those who have skills in designing gospel meeting flyers and other graphics. Thanking those who take care of the building and the maintenance that's needed. And cleaning the building. The things that a lot of us just don't want to do. If we're honest with ourselves, someone is willing to do it. We need to be appreciative of that. We need to stop and take time to thank those who do that. And then finally, we need to, if we're going to support the local church, we need to appreciate the elders. We need to appreciate the elders and their service. Notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and in verses 12 and 13, Paul says, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Well, Paul does not expressly say that he's talking about the elders. I think that's exactly who he's probably talking about here. Those who would have charge over us in the Lord. Those who watch over our souls and protect us from spiritual dangers. That certainly seems to be what Paul is talking about in 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and in verse 1, Peter says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. That elders are shepherding the flock. They have a job to watch and to care and protect the flock. And we need to appreciate them because they're willing to do the work. They are working for the Lord and they're serving their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. They are doing a work that needs to be done. And it's a work that not enough people desire. The first qualification in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 of an overseer, an elder, is that they need to desire that office. Because it's work. And it's sometimes very un- underappreciated work. It's thankless work. Being an elder is not easy. It's not glamorous. It's certainly not about getting your way all the time. So we need to appreciate those who are willing to serve and those who are willing to do that work and those who do desire to serve. But how do we show our appreciation to them? I think we can stop and we can show our appreciation to them by, first of all, praying for them. We need to pray for them. We need to ask that God would bestow them with wisdom and understanding because I think they would be the first to tell you that they're going to make mistakes. They're not going to do everything right. They're not going to make everyone happy. They may grow defensive. They may not handle critique well. They may not be open to suggestions. And we may not understand the stress and the problems and the decisions that they are making and that the things that they are having to go through. So if we pray for them, 
Pray for them. Because that may be the only thing that you can do. And then we need to submit to them. Recognize that they do have good intentions. That they want what is best for you, your family, and the congregation as a whole. And to the best of your ability, submit to them if it does not violate a conscience or cause you to sin. If you disagree with something, approach them humbly and ask to talk with them. And then I think we can also appreciate them not just through praying for them and submitting to them, but also holding up their hands and offer to be a part of the work with them, to partner with them. In Exodus chapter 18, there's this beautiful moment as the children of Israel are headed towards Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 17, you have the Amalekites, they attack the children of Israel from behind. And the children of Israel are not prepared for war. But the children of Israel were successful in war as long as Moses was able to hold up his staff. The battle would go on. His arms would get tired. And it says in verse 12, But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. Imagine the elders in the place of Moses for a moment, engaged in spiritual battle, and we need to be there to help, lifting up their hands, holding them up. People face burnout and discouragement, even elders do. Maybe they're distracted for whatever reason. Maybe they're having their own discouragement. Maybe they are having to face family health issues or other problems. Ask how you can help. Ask how you can be there to support them. How can you hold up their hands? If they've got too much on their plate, ask if, can I do that for you? Ask if you can serve and help them. So often, who, who encourages or who encourages the encourager who is discouraged or who serves the servant who's always serving. We can show our appreciation through taking something off their plate and helping them, holding up their hands in support of the local work. I think if we can do all of those things, then we will be better off, and the local church will be better off. And the local church will be supported and it will set us in the direction that we need to go. Because we all have the same goal. Reaching heaven. In the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 14, Paul said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is our goal for each and every one here. 
That's the goal of this local church, is to go to heaven. This morning, the elders are going to address the congregation in giving us information about what we have done in the past year, where we're going in 2023, Lord willing. Listen to what they say. Ask how you can be a part of the local church here and how you can support the work that's going on at Westside. This morning, if you are not yet a Christian, we want to encourage you to become a child of God. If you want to go to heaven, make your life right with the Lord. You can do that this morning. If you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, come to be baptized in water and have your sins washed away. You can be white as snow. And if you have done that, but you've not been living faithfully, you've not been serving God, you need to make some changes in your life, we're here to help you and encourage you in whatever way we can. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?